Today on the Word Preacher Podcast, Baptism, Faith, Penitence, and Endurance, and the Doctrine of Christ. I'm Brett Jensen, and this is the Word Preacher Podcast. Uh, today we are looking at the Come Follow Me curriculum that brings us to 2 Nephi chapters 31 through 33. This is really focused on, instead of kind of the abstract and poetic that uh, we enjoyed as we were studying some of the Isaiah passages, this is really explicit. This is very clear and very plain. Um, Nephi talks about just the fundamentals of the gospel. And he starts talking about baptism. This is a passage in 2 Nephi chapter 31, verses 5 through 7. And now, if the Lamb of God, he being holy, should have need to be baptized by water to fulfill all righteousness, oh, then how much more need have we, being unholy, to be baptized, yea, even by water? And now I would ask of you, my beloved brethren, wherein the Lamb of God did fulfill all righteousness in being baptized by water? Know ye not that he was holy? But notwithstanding he being holy, he showeth unto the children of men that, according to the flesh, he humbleth himself before the Father, and witnesseth unto the Father that he would be obedient unto him in keeping his commandments." All right, so um, this passage is really clear about the need for baptism. And it brings up to my memory uh, discussions that I've seen, particularly among the Protestant persuasion, about the requirements for salvation. Some of these individuals swarm around Paul's teachings about grace like ants to scatter bits of potato salad at a picnic. They don't even pay attention to anything else. They're all over that, and they don't see anything else. And that even includes the teachings and practices of Jesus himself. Now, it is important that I point out, I'm not suggesting that baptism saves. It doesn't. The grace of Jesus Christ is the only way that salvation comes. But it is to say, how can a person accept Christ and simultaneously refuse to do what he said? Baptism doesn't save us, but it, al it allows us to provide something. We provide a sign to God that we are willing to do what he says, that we accept him. And obedience is critical in this process. The way that he showed that he was obedient to his father, critical in his mission. The way that we show our obedience, also critical. Um, we can look at Jesus' teachings as well for examples of this. Um, Jesus was approached by a wealthy man who asked what he had to do to be saved. And interestingly enough, Jesus did not say, just confess me with your mouth, or just offer the sinner's prayer. 
and then that's it. Once saved, you'll be always saved. Instead, this is what he said. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He said unto him, which? Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. This is in Matthew 19, verses 17 through 19. So, in addition, when Jesus was pressed for clarification, he added that this young man should go and sell his possessions, give to the poor, and then come and follow him. The wealthy man would not do this, which prompted the whole discussion a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And his disciples said, Who then can be saved? And Jesus answered, with, with men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. This is the idea. What is he making possible? It's making it possible that if we go to him, he can help us to become good. He can help us to become the kinds of people that do what needs to be done, that do good. Additionally, Jesus gave the following parable. A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go to work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, Sir, I go and went not. Whether of the twain did the will of his father? They say unto him, The first. Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Of course, making the point uh, in, in his parable that the publicans and the harlots, they might repent and end up doing what God asks. But a person who thinks that he is good and does not repent and does not do what God asks will not be getting into heaven. Uh, very important. All right, in general, we're talking about the principles of faith and penitence and endurance. And Nephi gives a, a set of verses. It's a little bit lengthy, but it's solid. This is solid doctrine. He says in 2 Nephi chapter 31, verses 17 through 20, Wherefore, do the things which I have told you I have seen that your Lord and your Redeemer should do. For for this cause have they been shown unto me, that ye might know the gate by which ye should enter. For the gate by which ye should enter is repentance and baptism by water. And then cometh a remission of your sins by fire and by the Holy Ghost. And then are ye in this straight and narrow path which leads to life. Yea, ye have entered in by the gate. Ye have done according to the commandments of the Father and the Son, and ye have received the Holy Ghost, which witnesses of the Father and the Son unto the fulfilling of the promise which he hath made, that if ye entered in by the way, ye should receive. And now, my beloved brethren, 
after ye have gotten into this straight and narrow path, I would ask if all is done. Behold, I say unto you, Nay, for ye have not come thus far, save it were by the word of Christ, with unshaken faith in him, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save. Wherefore, ye must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope, and a love of God, and of all men. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ, and endure to the end, behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. Okay, all the principles of the gospel are tied up in this level to which our faith is genuine. That's essentially the, the idea that's being expressed in that. If a person does not have enough faith to be baptized, can they possibly have enough faith to be saved? If a person does not have enough faith to forsake their sins, can they possibly have enough faith to be saved? If a person has enough faith to repent and be baptized, are they then a saved person incapable of wrongdoing? And if this is the case, then why did people like Saul and David and Solomon and Rehoboam in the early kingdom of Israel all fall apart? They all fell apart. Uh, many of them, certainly David, chosen because God looked on his heart and he totally fell when he saw Bathsheba and went after her. So the idea, I think, is that one only one can judge who is saved, and that one is Christ. We must rely wholly on his merits and his judgment, his assessment, and only at such a time when he says that it is enough can we be certain that it is enough. That having been said, um, it is possible to experience forgiveness multiple times. This is not the same as ultimate exaltation. It's possible to repent and be forgiven and then fall off the wagon later. Um, and so it, it is necessary that even early at the beginning of this straight and narrow path that we receive a remission of sins. And it's interesting that Nephi describes it as by fire and by the Holy Ghost. Of course, part of this is because the Holy Ghost is a member of the Godhead. We can accurately say the Holy Ghost is God, and only God can bring forgiveness of sins. Just as Jesus Christ represented the presence of the Father, and could accurately say, if ye have seen me, ye have seen the Father. I am the Father, and the Father is in me, when he talked to his apostles. Well, that's also true of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost has power to bring the power of Christ's atonement through time and space to wherever we are, in whatever circumstance, provided that we do, uh, what is necessary, and that we have enough faith. 
And if we do provide the necessary faith and penitence uh, and show the appropriate signs through ordinances of the gospel, such as baptism or the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, to demonstrate the legitimacy of our faith, then the Holy Ghost comes. He's promised to come. The fulfilling of the promise which the Father and the Son make, that you will receive the Holy Ghost and receive a remission of sins. Um, and that's another thing that's really important, that faith and penitence and obedience and baptism, these mark the beginning of a covenant path. Um, and that once you've done that, you can't say all is done. Uh, it is a straight and narrow path that is described as something that follows that. You've gotten into this straight and narrow path. You've entered in by the gate, which is repentance and baptism. So this path, and it is important to look at, at the term straight, S-T-R-A-I-T, doesn't mean that there are no turns or curves or unexpected phenomenon. It means that it's narrow. It's a synonym for narrow which means it's very easy to fall off. This is exactly what Jesus himself taught when he said, Straight is the gate that leads to life, and few there be that find it. Broad is the way which leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. This is the same doctrine of Christ. Now, that having said, um, Let's look at another passage here. This is 2 Nephi chapter 32, verses 2 through 5. Do ye not remember that I said unto you that after ye had received the Holy Ghost, ye could speak with the tongue of angels? And now, how could ye speak with the tongue of angels, save it were by the Holy Ghost? Angels speak by the power of the Holy Ghost. Wherefore they speak the words of Christ. Wherefore I said unto you, Feast upon the words of Christ. For behold, the words of Christ will tell you all things what ye should do. Wherefore now, after I have spoken these words, if ye cannot understand them, it will be because ye ask not, neither do ye knock. Wherefore ye are not brought into the light, but must perish in the dark. For behold, again I say unto you that if ye will enter in by the way and receive the Holy Ghost, it will show unto you all things what you should do. This is really important. It talks about kind of the order between this. First, you have faith and repent. You show the signs of your faith that it's sufficient by doing prescribed ordinances by the prescribed authorities in the prescribed manner that Jesus has given. Then you're on the path. Then you're on the path. And at that point, then you can receive some of these answers. At that point, if you don't understand, you ask, you knock, you try and get it, and the Holy Ghost will show you all things what you should do. They speak the words of Christ. Angels speak the words of Christ. 
this increased understanding is to be uh, gained after receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And this mechanism whereby Christ leads his people from the scale of an individual to the family, to a ward or a stake, or the entire church, works on this same principle, that the words of Christ come through the Holy Ghost. That they are that inspiration and truth from Christ comes through the Holy Ghost. President Dallin H. Oaks noted in a recent face-to-face that frequently when God speaks, he whispers. The skill of recognizing God's voice sometimes takes some time and effort to develop. A person should not think, well, I've been baptized, I received the gift of the Holy Ghost, so now it'll just happen. It will just flow. This is not always the case. It frequently requires some patience. But with continued faith and penitence and staying on that covenant path, then ultimately this gift enables all those who have it to know the truth of all things. These principles, faith, repentance, baptism, the gift of the Holy Ghost, and endurance on the covenant path, these all represent collectively something that Nephi calls the doctrine of Christ. Adherence to his doctrine allows an individual to transition from being bad to good. This is the way that that we transform people from bad men to good men and from good men to better men. This is the path that God has laid out towards us obtaining ultimately our potential, eternal life. And there is no other way. There is no other name whereby man can be saved. Only Jesus, who himself suffered for the sins of all the world, is entitled to forgive the sins of all the world. And Jesus only extends forgiveness to those who show sufficient faith and penitence, who follow his prescribed path, his teachings, not part of them, and not just a half-hearted effort to do them, or a proclamation that we will do them, but actually doing them. No one else besides Jesus can step in to give us an alternate deal that works. He's the only one. But the good news is that he wants you desperately to know about it and to take advantage of this deal. It's a really good deal. And he's been sending prophets from the beginning of time to try and convince people that they do not have to be miserable. He has a way to become happy, to meet our true potential. It is him. It is following in his footsteps and living his doctrine. Ultimately, in the end, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. His path requires strict adherence to faith, penitence, baptism, 
and the Holy Ghost by following the example that he has set. He truly can help us to receive the promise of our Father and receive eternal life. We appreciate all the support for the Word Preacher podcast. Next week, we will be looking at Jacob chapters 1 through 4 and asking the question, why do prophets care so much about marriage? We'll look at that and more. Of course, there's a lot of stuff in these chapters for this week that we did not cover, and we encourage you to do your own independent study and to apply these principles in all that you do. And of course, as always, fight on.